Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching and today we will cover three things that you need to watch out for if you are finding yourself burnt out in the meltdown cycle parenting a highly sensitive child. So let's dive in. If you are a parent of a sensitive kid or teen and you have gotten to the point where you just feel like you need to put an out of order sticker on your forehead for the next three weeks, make sure that you tune in. We're going to cover all about what to do, what to watch out for in this pattern and, and uh, where you can focus to break, break out of it, right? Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So in parenting highly sensitive kids, uh, for years and years and years, our clients have been able to break out of this pattern consistently. Here at MTC, we help parents do this around the world and and have helped hundreds of families whose kids came to us Uh, You know, the families came to us with their kids struggling so much so that they were tossing furniture at school. Uh, They were taking 40 minutes to get out the door. They are hitting and kicking and screaming at each other. You know, obviously, if, if you're trying to get out the door and your kids are just all over each other, it can be, it can take you 20 minutes to just make your coffee in the morning, right? Let alone get the kids to answer you. Uh, related to whether or not they want eggs or bagels for breakfast, right? And uh, this is this is so tiring. And, and this can be true if your children are 9, 10, 11. And when that's happening, as a parent, yeah, you need to be able to notice how numb you are to this experience. And, and I'm going to cover this today because parenting a sensitive child is a completely different ball game. And then when we think about kiddos who are stuck in this meltdown cycle where the, the explosive behaviors are happening on a daily, multiple times a day or weekly basis, uh, it's very important for you as a parent, no matter your child's age, to start to notice if these big behaviors are happening. Uh, identify that two weeks is a pattern. That is when your child is starting to, to, to devise an automatic thought Uh, an automatic thinking process, an automatic behaving process to the point where they they are developing coping skills that are ineffective. Those skills are to explode or implode. So those explosions I just mentioned can be aggressive. They can also be related to property destruction. Um, punching holes in walls, throwing things, uh, whatever it is in sight, screaming at the top of their lungs to the point where you end up with a headache by the time the morning routine is is over. And uh, this is also relevant for sensitive kids and teens who shut down. Uh, So it might be that your sensitive teen takes 40 minutes to get out of bed. You can't even get them to tolerate you turning on the light for them. And uh, it, it feels incredibly draining to check every five minutes and say, hey, I told you to wake up. It's time. Let's go. Come on. I told you to wake up, right? And, and so you can move through this entire pattern 
of the morning routine. And, and guys, this is important, parents, if, if uh, the morning routine isn't your challenge, I'm sure that, uh, that you've dealt with this and the afternoon routine or the bedtime routine. So I'm just going to, for the sake of time, use one example. But parents who are, are working to get their kiddos out of bed, their teenagers out of bed, it's very important for you to notice that this isn't, this isn't, isn't typical uh, preteen teenage life. Uh, if, you're, if your teen or, or preteen is not able to get out of bed on a daily basis and it takes you 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes or more to get out, um, to get out of the house in the morning, it's very important for you to notice that this is a significant problem. And I'm sure in all of these experiences, you've tried all of the things, right? We have so many families who contact us who have been throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. And it just feels like their walls are covered in spaghetti and they still have a melting down or shutting down child. And uh, this is this is not only tiring for you, but it's also tiring for your kid, right? It's heartbreaking to watch your child be frozen in anxiety, but it's also stinking frustrating when you notice that your child is angry at you when you're trying to help them. And, and this dynamic can be so, so hard. And so obviously being burnt out as a parent is not something we're here to judge, to tell you that you need to buck up mama or, or dad get with the program, right? Like whatever, um, whatever relationship you have with your child is, is a symptom of the meltdown cycle. And when you're struggling at this level, it's not for lack of trying. Let's be honest here, right? You've tried all of the things. You've tried to, to um, you know, pull up the shades and do it kindly, right? You've tried playing music. You've tried, um, you know, knocking at the door. You've tried giving them their own alarm. You've tried natural consequences. If they're later, they skip school. Who cares, right? Not a who cares, but like they need to learn from that. That's what I mean by that. And, um, and, and so better late than better early than, than later, right? If they're, if they're 11 missing school, then it's a good thing they're missing school at 11. So they don't miss it when they're 18, but then here you have a 13 year old and this has been going on for two years. Now what? And so with that level of exhaustion comes, uh, comes a lot of frustration and, um, we're here to support you in noticing that, but also in observing that this is not how parenting a highly sensitive child needs to be. Okay. And, uh, and this is number one. The first thing that you need to notice is that the mental weight of all of this can be crushing and it also can be numbing and burnout can quickly lead to victim mentality. And so victim mentality is life is happening to me. Um, a kid is doing this to me and, um, my child is willfully choosing to not engage in the limits and expectations that I am setting forth for them. And, and with that level of, of, um, reaction to your sensitive child, it, it is going to continue to drive a consistent wedge in, um, in your relationship with your child. Uh, there is one critical impo- uh, component to this. You know, people who are experiencing apathy, uh, which is basically a numbness, uh, an experience that is a side effect of burnout. I should say um, there's burnout and then there's apathy, right? So right on the cusp of being tired and exhausted uh, comes resentment and frustration. Uh, my kiddo just will never get that. Uh, this will never work. That's helplessness. Um, 
I don't know how, might as well throw my hands up. And then there's dread. I don't want to wake up in the morning because I don't want to deal with my kid today. Uh, and then there's, there's resentment right after that. And resentment, um, when we experience resentment, we start to, to feel angry at our loved ones, especially as a parent. And I'm speaking about this in, in this context. Resentment is uh, feeling frustrated, critical, and, um, and just um, negative towards, uh, towards your child, even though you know that that's not helping. Uh, because you're so drained, it's hard to see how your child will change. And it's hard to see how your child will uh, will shift out of their behavior. Because you've, tr like I mentioned before, you've tried all the things that you can think of. And um, when this is happening, uh, the, the next emotional experience, and this is really important for you, for you to be aware of uh, as a parent of a sensitive child, the next thing on that docket is numbness. And this is when you start to justify the behavior that your child is experiencing because you just can't simply lift a finger anymore in supporting them. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you stop getting creative to solve the problem, uh, but you also stop expecting your child to follow through on your expectations. And uh, this is a very different approach than having patience with your child to get there someday, eventually, soon, right? Um, that's probably where you started out uh, and then it started to to get urgent for you. You were you were uh, feeling exasperated and, and anxious about it. So there was a lot of urgency around needing to get your kid to, um, to follow through on, on the morning routine or follow through on the afternoon or bedtime routine, whatever it is that that you're expecting of your child that, that they've been significantly and for a long time struggling with. And, uh, and then there starts to be an experience where you throw your hands up and you need to be able to notice, as I mentioned before, two weeks is a pattern. So if more days than not, you've been throwing your hands up and, um, and just walking away and feeling like there's just no other way to do it unless I lay down the hammer and make threats. Uh, or no other way to do it and that just is what it is so my kids missed like three weeks of school or, or you know sporadically uh, you know three out of four day three out of five days of, of school over the last month um, every week things like that it's very important to take stock of the patterns that you've developed at, at this point because we can see that happen pretty quickly uh, but once we're in victim mode we stop thinking that we have control over the situation enough to make an impact. Now, I'm not saying uh, that you need to control your child. Notice the word control um, is in a sense of your own personal control that you can influence your circumstances. You can influence the situations that you're in. And this particular situation is, is that your child's not following through on your situation on your, on your expectations. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about influence. Um, and the victim mentality is, I don't know, they just won't do it. They're just, you know, I've tried that before. I've tried this before. I get it, right? So so if you have anybody who's giving you advice, perhaps a loved one, uh, perhaps a, a close friend who, uh, perhaps a friend who happens to work in the mental health field or even professionals that you've engaged with, pediatricians, therapists, school counselors, truancy officers, etc. All of the above, uh, they might be giving you suggestions, and it's quick uh, and easy for you to uh, to say no. That that hasn't worked. Uh, I'm I'm not going to try it again. I'm done. I'm done. Um, and and so then apathy turns into resignation, 
And, and so this is really important because burnout, uh, the, the cycle of burnout could quickly go down into, uh, into a, a slope of, uh, of resignation. Uh, and this is when parents start to give up on their kid's potential. Now, I'm not saying you're going to give up on your kid. Uh, we hear many parents when, we, when they discuss their concerns and their worries say, I'll never give up on my kid. Uh, and that's true to an extent. Um, because the I'll never give up in my kid um, means it's highly unlikely that you would ever kick your kid out of their house, that you would ever stop feeding them, um, that you would ever stop loving them, right? But when what I'm talking about is giving up on setting expectations, and that is absolutely something that can happen for parents of highly sensitive ch children and teens, more, more usual in adolescence, uh, because parents have ha had uh, many, many years of this experience. But if you see yourself just pulling teeth and your kid is four or six uh, and it takes you 40 minutes to get out the door and you're wondering how long do I have to endure this, especially if your child's early infancy, you know, first couple of years, um, led to a lot of uh, stay-at-home experiences because you, your child was overwhelmed by the community, overwhelmed by preschool or daycare. Uh, that's four to six years already, right? Think about where you would be 10 years from now and um, without, without being able to break out of this pattern. It's obvious that without clear and structured shifts for your child and for you, uh, this is going to end up in a situation where you start to say, you know what? I think my kid is just a really challenging kid and I've done the best I can. Um, and, and this is something that we hear over and over and over again when we work with parents of teenagers um, who have, have significantly struggled and to the point where their teens' needs uh, require therapy. And so I'm speaking about this from a perspective of, of being a clinician as well as a parent coach and uh, parents whose kids are engaging in life-threatening behaviors um, or severe truancy, severe risky behaviors, aggression, etc. They they need therapy, and uh, those teens, if they're motivated to go, though might not be motivated to do the work in uh, in in the therapy. Parents can get extremely extremely tired and frustrated and this is years and years of work that the therapist is working with that parent um, to break out of those patterns and so I'm speaking about this from experience not to scare you um, but to let you know the signs so that you uh, that you can turn yourself back up the hill um, if you're noticing that that you've been rolling down that hill that I'm describing so uh, start to observe that start to notice because the the, the victim mentality uh, puts you in a position of me against my kid. And um, we really, really want you guys to be focusing on it's us against the world, if you will. Um, kiddo, I've got you, right? And uh, this is the, the most effective mindset that a parent of a highly sensitive child can have. And uh, if you find yourself regularly forgetting that mindset that you had when you were holding your baby in, in your arms and, and they were crying and you were snuggling them and you said, oh, you need a new diaper, let's get it. Um, I've got you, right? It's, it's that experience that as our children age, when we struggle to, to lead them out of emotional overwhelm, uh, that, that belief that you can figure it out can really, um, really diminish and then that can eat away at you and, and self-preservation, the human condition, uh, is, is to notice uh, that maybe it's not me, maybe it's somebody else. And then in that circumstance, it would be noticing 
is it actually my kid to blame here? And, um, and that's you trying to break out of your own emotional overwhelm. And so uh, when we think about where burnout can lead, it's incredibly important that in parenting a highly sensitive child, you don't fall into the trap of, of, no, of, of deciding that it's your child who's causing this issue or that your child is, uh, is the willful participant of this level of refusal, of this level of uh, procrastination, of negotiation, of dawdling <laughs> in their own little world maybe. It might not be an unpleasant circumstance, but just tiring in the sense that your kid is all over the map in the morning. Um, and, and those big feelings, while happy, are, are distracting them from their routine. So all of this and to, to notice, uh, it's really important that we don't uh, put your child in the position to have the skills that they don't have. Your child needs skills to manage their big emotions so that they can get the task at hand complete, even if they're frustrated, disappointed, upset, distracted, imaginative, feeling happy about something else and they don't wanna focus. All of those things are absolutely possible for a parent who breaks out of the meltdown cycle and highly sensitive kids can follow through in a routine even if they're not in uh, the best of moods. And that's life, that's what we want, right? We, we want our children to feel resilient in their circumstances. And, and so you have to start with the belief that nobody was put on this earth to be miserable. And uh, that's true for your child. Your child does not want to feel miserable um, because that's miserable. Who wants to feel that? Your child's not willfully making choices to, uh, to tear apart your relationship. Okay, and uh, it's really important to keep in mind. So how do we fix this, right? All right, well, okay, Megan, I, I get it. Um, it, it. It isn't my kiddo, my kiddo is a kiddo. <laughs> They're, you know, five, six, nine, 11, 12, you know, they've only been on this earth for, um, for, for so many years. So uh, now what, right? Uh, so maybe you might be thinking, okay, all right, I gotta turn my mindset around, I gotta shift how I'm handling stress. And so we have lots of parents who say, you know what, I'm doing the best I can, we're stuck in the meltdown cycle, but I am a cheerleader for myself. I exercise, I go to yoga, I go to the gym, I book um, appointments with my friends, and you know we keep them, and, I, and we, we, uh, we dish about our kids and about our stressors, and I vent. Um, and, and while I'm saying social life is important as a human being, we need to feel connected to the community, if your main goal of breaking out of the meltdown cycle, your main approach is to merely focus on building your own superhero mindset, uh, that is not going to break you out of the pattern, right? Because it's only one part of the puzzle. This is really important for you as a parent. Uh, Self-care is, is important, but um, it, it doesn't affect the number three, which is what I was speaking about, uh, speaking about next, right? Um, if, so sorry, let's make sure that we're all clear on number two. Number two is that the meltdown cycle is due to a mismatch in parenting. And so, like I said, you could shift your parenting approach. You can shift the way that you see your kid. You can shift the way that you manage stress. Uh, but this is not going to break you out of, of, of burnout altogether because number three is that your child needs to still learn skills to manage their emotions. And so when you're working with your child, uh, with, your, with yourself, maybe you even go to your own therapist to, to manage your own stress, um, 
this still leaves your child in a position where they don't have skills. So this is important because you can read from uh, many quote unquote experts who, under who say that they understand the highly sensitive personality trait and the majority of their, um, their messaging is that behavior is communication. Your child's trying to communicate something to you. So meet the need and, um, and notice that once you love your child and meet the need in that way, uh, give your child a big old hug, tell them you're here while they're melting down um, and, and notice that and you know, help them notice that you love them no matter what they do. Um, this can be a way for, for you to manage. And so then they're teaching burnout strategies, you know, anti-burnout strategies. They're teaching calm down strategies for you. And then they're saying, you know what? Your kiddo is uh, highly sensitive, so they're bound to have meltdowns. And I have to tell you that that is simply incorrect. Being highly sensitive and having meltdowns are, do not go hand in hand, especially not daily, multiple times a day, or weekly meltdowns, okay? Now, I'm not saying that a human being can never hit their maximum limit and lose it. But what I'm talking about is those 10, 15, 20 minute, 30 minute, 90 minute, we've seen parents whose kids have been on edge and on fire in their whole body all day long, right? However many minutes that is. <laughs> None of that is part of the highly sensitive trait. That is a symptom of the meltdown cycle for highly sensitive kids or teens, okay? So uh, this is a problem that your family is experiencing, that the whole family dynamic needs to be shifted around, and it is not something that you need to to uh, expect or get used to in your family uh, with your child. Your child is clearly missing skills and so are you and you are the one who needs to teach your child the skills uh, based on what the research demonstrates for how highly sensitive children learn. And so when we think about breaking out of this pattern, your child needs to learn how to manage their emotions. Like I mentioned before, you're up, your child can absolutely notice, I don't wanna go to school and School is something I'm going to go to today, and um, and because you know because of X Y Z reasons, right? And they can go out the door, and and do that in a way um, that isn't necessarily happy-go-lucky and skipping in unicorns and rainbow poops because, or rainbows and unicorn poops. <laughs> um, but uh, but but with that being said, uh, we're not expecting that, right? We're not expecting pie in the sky. Um, everything is is awesome uh, living because that's not how life is with that being said your life can absolutely be primarily in joy and gratitude and happiness and positively expecting things to go well for you uh, that is absolutely a, a a mindset that you can build once you have a strategy to do that and our clients do that all the time and that is what keeps you moving forward and supporting your child and building, building the same, right? Uh, it's really important to notice that children without this meltdown cycle see themselves as, as uh, capable of doing anything, right? You ask a kid what they wanna do, they're like, I wanna go to the moon. Uh, we just recently uh, experienced a death in the family and uh, my kiddo um, was asking about how I've, I've um, lost all of my grandparents at this point and um, and uh, she was wondering how, uh, how my, my extended relatives had uh, passed and, and many of them passed due to complications from nicotine addiction. And so I explained that to her and, and she, uh, she was saying, well, you know, when I grow up, 
um, I want to create a school that helps adults learn not to smoke cigarettes. And um, it was lovely to, you know, that was just something that she came up with and she was going all about how she would, um, how she would help people join her school and how she would help them think about it because we talked about how um, all of them actually, most, well, let me back up, most of my grandparents died due to nicotine, due to complications, cancer, et cetera, um, uh, of, of nicotine addiction and um, how that was very difficult for them uh, because, you know, it was a different time. We were talking about the history of all of that and, and, uh, and why, you know, she knows and, and we know now that, that nicotine is extremely dangerous and, and cigarettes are terrible for you. Um, uh, but they, they didn't know that growing up and so then it was hard to quit, right? So we had this conversation and she had this um, idea immediately uh, in that, in, in that to, to design a school that helps adults quit. And um, this is something that, you know, we, we hadn't spoken about often. She knows because uh, she, she does have a sensitive sniffer <laughs> um, in public, like what, you know, she will say out and, out and about, what's that smell, cigarettes, gross. Um, but aside from that, we haven't gone, uh, gone far beyond the, the concept of addiction because um, she's five <laughs> and, um, and it was a question and often in passing, but in this circumstance, you know, we were speaking about, um, uh, about my family history and, um, and, and, and all of that. And so I'm using that as an example, right? We know, um, you know, your children have had the same, um, dreams, right? I'm going to, I'm going to be an astronaut and I'm going to go fly to be the first astronaut to, to, to live on Mars or, um, I'm going to discover different stars, or I'm going to be uh, a world-famous basketball player, or the you know the first uh, lacrosse player who meets X Y Z goal. I don't know, uh, sports aren't my thing, um, and uh, you know, or I'm going to be a, a scientist who invents the cure for cancer. Right? Children will believe all of what they want for themselves when they feel free enough to do that. But highly sensitive kids who are stuck in that meltdown cycle might have a dream. Um, because, you know, highly sensitive kids can have that thorough imagination, but what's missing is the capability, the belief that they'll achieve it so much so that they go on a, um, you know, a, a clear and specific plan devising how to, how to make it happen. And, and, um, and so when I delight in my child, whenever she comes up with these, uh, phenomenal, you know, community building and community influencing ideas, um, that the the freedom in watching her think about these things and and really plan out an actual marketing plan you know she's not calling it marketing and I'm not teaching her any of that but um, that's what it is you know how to, how to help people come in the door and stay in the door and and if they're not um, if they're thinking about not doing it how she'll help them you know decide to do it for themselves um, and remember what they want in life and that it's not healthy to to to, to smoke cigarettes etc and um, and and just all of these ideas of of, of, of persistence and resilience, right? Highly sensitive kids have that capacity to, to get very detail-oriented about it, right? Because, you know, like I mentioned, this is an example. Occasionally, I'll use my daughter as an example. We have plenty of parents who um, that we've served whose kids are the same thing, but uh, a highly sensitive kid is going to come up with the idea and then, then, and then notice, hmm, where are the angles where this might not work and what's my solution to that? That's creative problem solving. But a highly sensitive child who is stuck 
in the meltdown cycle is going to see a problem and then not be able to move out of it, not be able to think outside the box. And this is where your child is stuck. Your child is saying, I don't wanna to go to school. There's no solution that's gonna help me go to school, so I'm not gonna go, right? And that might be a, a, um, an intellectual conversation they're having with you, actual verbal conversation they're having with you, or it's playing out in their behavior. And um, you know, in, in terms of refusals, uh, complete and, and utter overwhelm, meltdown behavior, uh, aggressive behavior, et cetera, or just total shutdown, frozen, uh, hiding under the bed, hiding under the covers, can't do it, uh, can't wake up, et cetera. And this runs the gamut. We see all kinds of, of behavior regardless of your kid's age. So um, if you hear me speaking about the, these behavior concerns, don't jump to the conclusion that I'm talking about six-year-olds here. Um, we see this behavior in 11, 12, 13-year-olds. We see this behavior in 15, 16, 17-year-olds. Uh, and, and so it's important for you to notice that we've served uh, families with this issue regardless of their kids' ages. And uh, the, the important piece to notice is that there really is four simple solutions to, to break out, four simple steps to break out of the pattern, okay? Um, in addition to managing your mindset, because this is what we we're talking about, all, all of that. So we know that's step number one, right? Step number two is, is being able to shift out of this pattern in a playful way, communicate with your child or teen in a way that, that actually speaks their language. So they need to hear with you that, they under, that you understand them. Like I mentioned before, that you've got them and you're gonna lead them out of this. And, uh, and, and next is that you're gonna do that in a systematic way. You're gonna teach them that their best future possible is absolutely available to them. And you're gonna work on that one at a time with any of their ineffective behaviors so that they're not flooded by needing to fix all of the things, right? So your child might be struggling with the school workload. They might be struggling with the environment at school. Or both, and um, in the obviously need to build skills there, uh, but you can't do the same thing, right? Throw everything at the wall to see what sticks with your kid by trying to teach them a bazillion coping skills for all sorts of scenarios at the same time. That's also overwhelming. So you need to be able to pinpoint uh, the major intensity and pinpoint the priorities for your family. And that's important to observe uh, that you need a strategy to do that. You need to be able to do this in a way that doesn't uh, impl imply shame. Um, and, and doesn't add shame to the table. Your child already feels ashamed by their behavior. They're highly sensitive, so they already see how their behavior is impacting other people. They might not act on how that shame impacts other people enough to change their behavior because shame keeps you stuck and shame is um, a blanket. It, it, it just covers you. It's like a fire retardant blanket. It just totally um, envelops the problem and, and then you gotta keep it on there to keep the fire from, from breathing again. And so that, that whole experience of being frozen, stuck, or quote unquote in denial of a problem uh, is, is related to your child struggling with that emotional shame barrier. And this has to be broken down in a systematic way. You can't just convince your kid that they're great, that they're worthy and that they're awesome and have your kid believe you uh, because your child doesn't believe you. So convincing doesn't work. And, uh, and then we need to be able to do that in a way that, that, uh, that, that's helped hundreds of children, right? You need to be able to follow a professional and work with a professional directly uh, who can break out of this pattern. You know, Elaine Aaron has said over, over the years as well, uh, and she's the one who coined the, the highly sensitive personality trait term, sensory processing sensitivity, 
You know, she developed uh, the, the term in the 1990s, and um, she has said specifically that parents of sensitive kids should work with professionals to, to break out of patterns that they're in because it is a significant minority in terms of, um, of the challenges that you're having, and so it requires a specialized approach. You can't just listen to um, you know, a general parenting um, book or a general parenting, positive parenting, gentle parenting, um, solution-focused um, book to to break out of this pattern. Even even books that describe explosive kids uh, can be extremely complicated in their approach, and then that obviously um, leaves you stuck when you're trying to troubleshoot and when the examples don't fit your kid, and because um, you can't talk to a book, <laughs> um, and 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 that obviously is is really tricky. So I encourage you to have a conversation with our team of experts. Uh, book a call if you're ready to break out of this pattern then uh, then there's no need to wait we have space in our calendar and we're happy to serve you break out of the pattern of the meltdown cycle and uh, if what we do is going to work for you we'll tell you how that works okay we're going to talk about where you're stuck what you're struggling with specifically what you need to do to fix it and um, we'll cover that as well if your goals are something that we've helped families break out um, and into go into those goals as well uh, and if that's something that we can do, then uh, then we'll share that with you because we don't work with families that we've never uh, who who with patterns or with behaviors or with um, emotional circumstances that we've never helped before. We've been dealing with this uh, and serving families in this uh, in this realm for over ten years, respectively. Each of the professionals on my team have over a decade of experience in this field. And uh, the, the beauty of having an international team is that I get to internationally source experts on my team. And, and that means that, that everybody that we've worked with, uh, that we work with here, has been doing this for a really, really long time. And, um, and, and that allows us to, to stay focused on our expertise and notice uh, that we get to work with the families that we know we can help. And that obviously makes it an incredibly rewarding professional experience for us. Uh, so we keep moving forward because our mission here is to help highly sensitive kids and teens break out of the meltdown cycle uh, so that they eliminate or prevent uh, the suicidal thoughts and behaviors that are pervasive in the highly sensitive population uh, because our goal is to eliminate suicidal thoughts and behaviors uh, for the highly sensitive population around the world and we need to do that by supporting parents and breaking out of that meltdown cycle that shutdown cycle um, because that is what uh, is the the catalyst to this behavior and so when we think about that um, how to do that how to do that extensively for you so that you can start to feel that freedom that emotional freedom for yourselves uh, the first step that everybody has taken who has broken out of this pattern is that they've booked a call with our team and we are happy to have a conversation with you if what we do isn't going to be a fit then we will tell you that and we'll tell you exactly what plans you need to put in place who you need to consult with what evidence-based uh, therapy treatment if that's relevant that you need to follow through on because we've had lots of experience in that avenue working in outpatient inpatient uh, residential care etc so we know uh, what families are a good fit for what we do and what families need a different level of care or a different approach uh, than what we what we do so we're happy to make sure that everybody who comes to us has a plan and can take immediate action on that plan right so we're happy to speak with you again that's a free phone call and uh, the conversation can be scheduled at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk if you're parenting a high schooler 
Uh, that's U.S. high school age. So uh, thank you, and, uh, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in hearing more about how to eliminate the meltdown cycle, I invite you to check out our free masterclass where we cover the five steps our clients use to eliminate the daily meltdowns. You can register for the next training at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. That's the number five, S-T-E-P-S meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.